0: Welcome to the Four Columbus Podcast, sharing inspiring stories of local faith leaders from congregations, parachurch ministries, and the marketplace with your host, Adam
1: Ward. Well, hello, listeners. Welcome to another great episode, season three, For Columbus Podcast. Today, I have a good friend and tremendous asset to the Christian church, At large, the Big C Church. (laughs) Scott Beck, co-founder and CEO of Glue. Scott, thanks for being
0: on the show today. Adam, happy to be here.
1: Just before the interview started, Scott told me he doesn't like to usually do podcasts because he wants to create the stage for others, not be on the stage itself. So every now and then, Scott, you've got to venture on the stage and uh, really appreciate that you're coming on the stage this morning with me in this interview.
0: Yeah, happy to do it.
1: I'm going to give... Listeners, a little background on you. You, when you were raised, church was more of a relational thing for your dad to succeed and not so much a faith component.
0: Yeah. When, you know, growing up, I grew up in, in, um, Harvey, Illinois and, uh, Markham, Illinois on the far, far South side. My dad was, um, uh, you know, a garbage man. He, uh, bought a garbage truck in 1953, <laughs> and uh, started, started hauling garbage. And um, when I was able to pay attention, we had four, four garbage trucks. And, you know, we, I grew up in that business. And as part of that, you know, he became the, the president of the Chamber of Commerce. And, uh, you know, part of being just a good businessman and serving the community well was showing up at church. So we showed up at church And um, that was just part of what we, what we did, but there was, you know, there wasn't a a personal relationship there. My dad, you know, would, would admit that Uh, it wasn't until later in life that uh, he ultimately made a decision for uh, Christ and, and uh, that definitely transformed him. But growing up, it was, it was really what I call business church. And Ah. um, there's nothing wrong with business church because it gets you in the church. All right. Uh, And then you can see what happens next. So
1: you listen, fast forward a few years, you're walking across the campus, you're getting your business degree and some guy hands you a, a pamphlet called the four spiritual laws.
0: Yeah. He didn't just hand it to me. He, um, he actually, you know, sat down and, and, and asked if, if, um, I had a minute to go through it. And I, I did, uh, I was a freshman in college. I had all day. Um, and so, you know, he took me through the four spiritual laws, a little pamphlet that was published by uh, uh, Campus Crusade for Christ back then. And it was written by Bill Bill Bright uh, in 1965. And, you know, here it was, um, you know, 1977. So it was almost 12 years later after Bill had, had published that. And this guy was sitting on the steps of a of an English um an English uh school building and and uh sharing it with me.
1: How about that? And then you you said you went in. You said I'm going into this faith thing, you accepted Jesus and started your faith journey
0: then. Yeah, that that's it. You know, I had I I I made the decision then. Um I had spent uh 4 years in high school as uh one of the things I did was I, I was a wrestler. And in my senior year, I was co-captain of the wrestling team with a guy named Gary Murakami. Uh, Gary is uh, still a, a, a friend. And Gary's family, uh, Ken Murakami, as well as then, you know, Gary's sisters and uh, mom, they would come to all the wrestling matches and they were very committed uh, followers of Jesus. Uh-huh. And they would, they would have their, their little signs, you know, go Gary, go Scott, go God. And so I had had, I had, had a lot of exposure to the gospel before that just wasn't in a position to have made the decision. Yeah. But when, you know, when I was walking across the campus at University of Arizona, I, you know, I it just, everything was right. And the Holy Spirit was working and, uh, 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 the young man that, that intersected me, he was a little bit nervous and I was a little <laughs> yeah. bit nervous, but it all worked out.
1: Oh man, how about that? So you graduate college and you go back and work for your dad's uh, garbage business, and you spend about a, a decade there, uh, and then you wanted to do some some other stuff.
0: Yeah, I, I actually I actually started working for my dad way before college. Okay. So <clears throat> I, <clears throat> I started getting a W two from him probably when I was maybe thirteen. Okay. Uh, so. <laughs> I, I worked in that business, um, all through, um, all through, um, uh, high school and in, into college. And then, you know, I, I took a long time to graduate from college. I, um, I started college in 1976. I graduated in 1989. How about that? 13 years <laughs> to get my undergraduate degree. And by the time I, was taking my final courses, I was already president of Blockbuster Video. I was actually president (laughs) of Blockbuster Video. And I was in the Schneider dorm um, on SMU's campus down in um, Dallas, Texas. And I was finishing up my undergraduate degree, taking English uh, 102 and and intro to philosophy, the last two (laughs) classes that I had to take in order to graduate. Um, But that's, that was, you know, I sort of worked my way through college.
1: Yeah, no, that's great. Um, so you you ran a actually ran a small investing firm with you know fifteen or sixteen advisors for a while, and then then you went to you took Blockbuster from one store to seven thousand stores.
0: Well, I mean there were a couple people that were involved in that. Of obviously. course, um, yeah. David Cook is the guy that actually founded Blockbuster, and so he founded it in Dallas, Texas, in 1985. And I had the good fortune of walking into that first store in um, literally I walked in week one, store number one, day four, I was member number 91 in the world. And I, I looked and I thought this looked like something that IBM and McDonald's had come together and decided to build a video store. I was super impressed with the store it really solved a lot of the consumer problems. It was extremely well designed. It was computerized in a really great way. David Cook did a, just a tremendous job. And so it was it was that, that that caused me to then, you know, make an investment in partnership with my dad uh, into the, the parent company. And then uh, I became the first franchisee of Blockbuster in uh,
1: 1985. How about that? So I mean of course you're going to be humble about that but you scaled that then you didn't really like 70% of what you were renting and you'd wanted to get out of south florida you were co-founder and ceo of boston chicken and einstein bagels which you also grew and left and then you know did some stuff with the internet in the 90s scaling and adoption to ancestry.com and a home Advisor, which now today is Angie's, and uh, but you started a family office in '93, and so tell us wh- why you did that and why that's an important part of the journey.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, if we go back to Blockbuster, uh, Blockbuster was a great experience. Uh, one of the things that I had the opportunity to do is, <clears throat> you know, my dad was in the garbage business as I as I mentioned and. He had he had great great fortune in, in merging together with two other guys, one guy named Dean Buntrock and the other guy named Wayne Heisinger, and the three of them you know created Waste Management. Um, <clears throat> and then Peter Heisinger was part of that that group as well. But they they um, you know those the, those 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 men uh, then you know really consolidated the, the garbage industry, and that was the first time that I got. Um, got the idea of what does it mean to take disparate a disparate uh, industry and be able to bring infrastructures together to be able to you know help it scale and interesting so that was that was great and then and then when I got into Blockbuster a few years later the guy that founded it David Cook wanted to to sell his interest and that's when I introduced it um, you know to uh, wh- who was like an uncle to me uh, Wayne Heisinger. And then Wayne took, took it over. Uh, I ended up working for Wayne for a number of years um, as the president and chief operating officer of, uh, and vice chairman of Blockbuster. And that was um, such a great time for me. Uh, Wayne was interested in potentially selling the business. I was, I was interested in you know, making a move out of South Florida. And so that's when all the pieces came together. And in 93, we sold the business to Viacom um and then um you know that that created um a financial gain for us and we created a family office at that point in time and we started um you know doing a lot of donative activity into the faith ecosystem uh and so from 93 to 2010 you know we were very active with you know a number of full-time employees just trying to serve serve that that ecosystem
1: well, wow. and uh, so that I'm going to go through the, the secret decoder ring here for the people that are listening. That means that Scott and that organization funneled a significant amount of money into the faith ecosystem a, in order to help people help people, right?
0: Yeah, we we love the, what, what churches were doing, what the parachurches were doing, what the <clears throat> recovery ministries were doing. We We were really all on board with that. And so, you know, we wanted to help them any way that we could. We helped them with capital. We made as a foundation, we made donations to them, but then we also came alongside of them and tried to help them, help them grow. And we had, we had some people, Eric Swanson in particular, who was super interested in cities and how cities you know worked. And so we started supporting cities in the early two thousands. And yeah, so we just, you know did did what we could to do our part to be able to help these organizations help more people
1: and then you said it became obvious that a common set of architecture was needed if the church was going to leverage its collective might
0: yeah i mean you know when you know we had done we had done some technology businesses too right we got very involved in the internet in the mid 90s um, as a venture investor, so you know we had we had lots of businesses that you wouldn't remember because they they didn't succeed, but we also had a couple of businesses that did succeed. We were early early partners with Ancestry.com, and actually, in this room that I'm sitting in right now is where I was sitting with uh, Mike Bowden and Rodney Rice as they as they became the co CEOs of of uh, Home Advisors. Um, <laughs> you know, we, that was started, you know, we ideated it here and we were the initial capital behind it. So we started learning a lot about technology. And in the mid two thousands, a lot of the grant requests that were coming into our foundation were really to help, help them with technology. And it Mm -hmm. was, I knew enough about technology to know that ultimately the church needed to be part of a connected network in order to be able to get the benefit of its scale and the benefit of you know, how do they work together, right? In a mm-hmm. digital world, how do you work together? Well, in a digital world to work together, you have to have connected networks and that digitally, they digitally have to connect. Yeah. And then you, once you've got that, you can get the benefit of, of, of each other's scale. You can get the benefit of, of the cumulative size, right? Right. All, all the churches are relatively small on their own, but together they're really big. And all the parachurches are relatively small on their own, but together they're really big. So that's when, in 2010, Teresa and I were looking, and you know, God willing, we had another 30 years um, to work, and we had no interest in doing anything but, you know, working hard and being productive, and and you know, using the gifts that God had given us, both in terms of capital and relationship, and and um, a little bit of experience, and and you know, what whatever, whatever, you know intellect we, we, we had. And and so we decided to put that to use to be able to help the churches have the technologies so that they could work together and get the benefit of, of their total scale.
1: Wow. And so that's that same prescient thinking you were applying from Blockbuster back in the 80s to churches in 2010.
0: Yeah, it totally. I mean, I only know how to do one thing. And that's basically put infrastructures underneath an industry, and then have that industry get the benefit of its of its collective scale. And for the church, I like to call it its collective might. Mm. But that that's right. I mean, whether we did it, we did it in the in the dental industry in partnership with um, with uh, you know Steve and Pam Thorne over at uh, Pacific Dental Services. You know, we did it in the home services industry with home advisors. We did it with you know, um, the retail business, we did it in in Mexico and in in the dollar store business. We did it in a lot of different industries and all those industries just taught us different things about the same thing. So then it's what does it look like to be able to help churches have their own intranet and and to be able to have that broader faith ecosystem be able to be connected so that they can work together to be able to transform lives and transform communities.
1: Yeah, so if... You could succinctly state the purpose of glue. What, what is it?
0: Well, glue's glue's mission is to serve the champions that are out there. Uh, mm. The champions are, are, are anybody that's trying to help another person grow. Okay. So we call that person a champion. They call themselves all sorts of different things. They can call <laughs> themselves a, a recovery care manager. They can call themselves a pastor or a small group leader. Or they can call themselves, you know, a, a coach or a mentor. They call themselves all sorts of different things we just call them champions. Okay. So, our whole purpose is to serve those champions, help them scale, help them do more of what they do, mm-hmm. and then have a platform, a good well-architected platform that would allow them to, you know, work with each other efficiently. So, mm-hmm. that's that's the mission. Our purpose is to release globally, that's, you know, everywhere in the world, the passion that one person has to champion the growth of another. Because that's what we think is the most um, significant latent energy that exists mm. is the passion that one person has to champion the growth of another. It's just not that easy, right? How do you help your neighbor? How do you help as you're, as you're in a pew or behind a screen? How do you take your energy and contribute it into the system to be able to you know, help other people? And so that's the whole idea. Just like Uber makes it easy for somebody that's got a car and somebody that needs a ride to be able to work together. We would call Mm -hmm. that latent energy. That car is some latent resource. We think the biggest latent resource that exists in the world today are the people, the people Mm -hmm. in the fuse, the people behind the screens. How do we make it easy for them to champion the growth of another? Wow. Wow. So i'm gonna I'm gonna
1: dive in here uh, with a kind of a lengthy question. We had Brad Hill on your Chief Solutions office a couple episodes ago telling us about the Glue Connect program. There was an article in The Wall Street Journal that you did the end of last year talking about the power of big data and how you could leverage big data. I was actually on my phone yesterday going to meet someone from Facebook Marketplace who spoke Spanish. I'm using Google Translate to talk to this guy in Spanish, I open YouTube and YouTube is giving me Spanish advertisements. And, at, and I didn't tell anything. It it collected stuff in the background and then it redirected things. So Glue has this capability to mine data, to put it in front of the right people. And Glue Connect will get connect those people to people in need, to those Champions that you talk about that could release that passion. So, so let's let's go very practical right now. We've got this. We you have this explore program that you created. And pastors and leaders, if you haven't heard that episode, go back a couple of times because we're gonna go a little bit d- deeper right here, and then simultaneously, a very large investment in a Jesus campaign, which we had Jason. Uh, on the episode, a couple uh, episodes ago too, talking about that he gets this campaign and funneling those people who want and are seeking help to churches and people in need. So how, tell us a little bit on how that whole piece ties into what you just explained with the mission and purpose.
0: <clears throat> sure. <laughs> so, so there's a number of things, obviously that you just covered there. Um, <clears throat> let's sort of start with, with you know, the technology itself and, and, and data. Uh, first and foremost, we, we view data with the utmost of privacy in mind. Sure. Think, think like your doctor's office, HIPAA. Yep. That's how we approach data. We approach data that the user owns their data. And that, and that that data is only being being used with their explicit consent, right. just like at the doctor's office. If you're going to get your x-ray sent from one doctor to the next, you have to agree that that can be sent. That's the right. same way that we approach data. But likewise, just like HIPAA data is protected, there's still the ability to look at anonymized data to be yeah. able to know hey, where are the COVID cases spiking and where are they not, right? Yeah, how much a percent of our
1: population has diabetes, right?
0: Exactly. They yeah. don't have to know anything about Scott in order to be able to de-identify that data and get benefit from it. Right. So that's one of the main things that, that, that we do. We work with de-identified data to be able to help churches um, and, and to help this uh, ecosystem be well-served. All right. So now when you talk about, you know, like the Explorer program that that glue connect that Brad Hill was talking to you about. What that is doing is it's basically getting together in a city and very soon the country and and aggregating dollars from a bunch of churches and a bunch of donors so that we can run what we call cooperative advertising. Now, Mm. everybody knows what cooperative advertising is because everybody's familiar with the Got Milk campaign. Sure, yeah. You know, the Got Milk campaign was just a bunch of dairies and ice cream shops and, you know, dairy farmers all put in a little bit of money to an ad council. And the ad council then created a campaign called Got Milk. And as a result of that, you know, more people maybe visited the ice cream shop or more people visited visited and bought bought milk now you know they it didn't say got organic milk or it didn't say got chocolate milk it just said got milk right right and and that was broad enough for the whole ecosystem to be able to benefit from it we're doing the same thing it with with what we would call church's care you know that's a pretty generic concept and, and what that does is it allows cooperative promotion to be able to compete so that now on, on Google, when you were typing in, let's say, divorce, instead of just finding lawyers, all of a sudden, it right. pops up. Maybe it doesn't need to end that way. Mm. You know, churches care. Maybe they can help. Well, a bunch of people then say, yeah, I'm interested in, in, in that instead of a lawyer. Well, the, any one church couldn't afford to outbid that lawyer. Right. Yeah. But together, they, they can. Right. And so then, once that happens, then you, you've got a person you can start to know about that person. And, and, it, and all the churches that are participating, you know which churches have, let's say, marriage programs. You can then connect that person to the right church. And then that church can start to help that person. And so that's the whole concept behind Glue Connect. It's cooperative advertising with then being able to know enough about the churches to be able to connect those people into that church. And that's, that's a wonderful thing. Yeah. <laughs> now, what, once you do that and you've got that, those infrastructures created, somebody else can come along with a different campaign like he gets us mm. and, and, and they can run their campaign. And as a result of their campaign, people can go to their website. And likewise, now all of a sudden we've already know the churches. We already know how to connect people into the churches. We can now work with a, he gets us, which is a very exciting campaign. Um, one of the, one of the biggest, the, the, the Christian ecosystem has ever seen. Wow. And, and, and then as as, as people are going to that, he gets us.com website, they can choose to connect either into prayer or they can connect into chat and talk to somebody. Uh, they can text for prayer or they can get connected into a program or a church. And so it's the glue infrastructures that allow all of that to happen and to happen effectively and to happen with the utmost privacy and protection so that's an example of all of those things that you talked about, how they layer together. And then that's how we're serving not only those churches, but we're serving those the, the all of the partners in the, the faith ecosystem, whether it's the campaign partner, like He Gets Us, or whether it's a program partner like Alpha, because it might be, hey, let's connect this person into an Alpha program that sits in a church. So that's the... Long question, sort of long answer, but that's, that's sort of the whole of it.
1: Well, the digital age has made it increasingly difficult for people to connect. And we talked about that a little bit before the interview, how it was so easy to connect in an analog world and more difficult. And you've identified five different faces that have to be connected in this value exchange for it to even work. So you've got the front line. Right? You've got the people that want to grow, the orgs that are providing that. You've got the capability and the content providers, and then you've got the donors. And if the value proposition isn't seen and exchanged easily among that, that whole stuff that you just talked about can't happen. That's a complex
0: problem. Yeah, I mean, you know, we talked about it the first, the you know, Web 1.0 okay, was like, I build a website, I'm a node on the internet and I've Your got a billboard and people can look at it. Exactly. Okay. Web 2.0. Okay. Web 2 was all about networks. Well, the first networks were the social networks. Those were one-sided networks. It's a person that shares a video, they're their producer or shares a photo and some, and that same person consumes photos from other people. That's the one-sided network. The second type of networks that came in were the two-sided networks. I have a car, I need a ride. I have a room, I'm looking for a place to stay. Airbnb, Uber, two-sided networks. Well, the church and the faith ecosystem, as you said, Adam, is a more complex network. You know, in order for all of this to work and what we just described working, you're right, there needs to be value to all the different participants in the ecosystem. They have to be able to work together. They're only going to work together when it's when it when when, when there's value and a reason for them to work together. Right. So in this scenario, you have the, the person that needs help. That's what we would call the explorer. That explorer is, you know, out in the world and they see an ad for either he gets us or they see an ad for um church's care. That explorer is. One of the important participants in the ecosystem. We get them connected into a church, and that church is a second participant in the ecosystem. The third participant is the person in the church that's actually helping that explorer. (laughs) Okay. And we got to make it easy for that to happen. Right. Then you have the program partners and the content partners, like an alpha program. You got make, to make a value proposition in there for, let's say, alpha to make it easy to find an alpha program in a, in a church. And then the fifth is, are the investors or the donors. And you got to be able to then tell the donors and show the donors that all of this works and their dollars were well spent. Well, all of that is a big, is a big technology problem in, in, a, in a really sort of cool way. And you're right. That's what we've spent you know, uh, a decade here doing is getting the infrastructures in place to be able to let that happen and have it start to seem simple. Because for a church, it's not that complicated. It's like, I want to sign up, I want to receive new people, and, and I want to be able to help those people grow. Well, we've made it about that simple now. So, uh-huh. you know, it's been a long journey um, and we're, we're getting to what I would call simplicity on the far side of complexity.
1: <laughs> you gotta understand,
0: you gotta understand the problem in, in 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 all of its complexity. And then you gotta simplify it down so that you really are allowing that value to get created. But it is all about serving the church, serving the people that serve in churches to be able to help the people that are in the community. Stronger, the the, the biggest idea is to you know is to release the energy that is pent up in the pews and behind the screens. Make it easy for those people to help each other. Yeah. Wow.
1: And so some of you may be saying, okay, well, why is Scott on the For Columbus podcast? And in season three, I'm talking with people who are impacting our city from outside of our city. Columbus was one of the first four cities to have this glue experimenting. We were just in a, uh, the river's uh, conference rooms last July talking about the glue connect program and how we were going to run that in Google and before it you know even formally existed and struggling to explain it and get people signed up and we've had you know some changes and some modifications over the months but it has gotten quite simple now and we have best practices before it was an idea and now it is best practices and it became, Uh, Such a a great point that glue's expanded that year at 10 plus cities now, right? And then the, he gets us campaign has decided, Hey, we're we're just going to go national with this nine figure budget to share the, the, the Jesus story. So this whole ecosystem, and that's how it's impacted on Columbus. So we have a lot of Columbus listeners and we have a couple of non-Columbus listeners. So I'm going to focus on the non-Columbus listeners here for a second. Hawaii, I know there's a whole uh, bunch of you out there, and I know that some of you in California and in the upper Midwest that are thinking, okay, I wish we could participate in some of these things. Now's your opportunity. He gets us campaign, goes national on March 14th. Um, if, if there are groups of churches that you know, want to leverage the global you know, impact of their area, you guys can come together and be part of that now. Um, that's a really cool element that that's been put together, uh, because of this also leaders across the state of Ohio. I know I've been talking with you in Cleveland and Cincinnati and Dayton and some of these Youngstown, some of these other places That's an opportunity for us here in the Buckeye state, uh, to be part of this ecosystem. And now look, the hard work's been done. There's scars on our back here locally. There's scars on Scott's back in uh, Colorado, but and also you know other other pastors. And look, this is not for everyone. It is a clearly evangelistic tool. This is not for a Sunday morning club to operate and exist. This is so that the passion can be released so that the, the lost can be reached and the Bible can be grown. So Scott, I want to just um, ask you to look into the crystal ball a couple of years and maybe that's five years, maybe that's 10 years, maybe that's two years, but to say, Hey, if you can release this collective might, what do you see happening?
0: Well, I mean, you got a, you've got a couple of things. Number one. Yeah. Thank first, Adam, thanks for the journey that you've been on with us as well as, you know, Dallas and Kansas city and South Florida, uh, all early partners uh, jumping in and really helping to come down these learning curves and what does it mean to be able to create local cooperatives, and those, let those local ad councils be able to start to operate, get that advertising rolling, and getting churches getting connected with people in the communities? We've in in like the last five months in those communities, we've connected over eighteen thousand people into uh, into a church. Isn't that unreal? Um, <laughs> yeah, it really is. It's really amazing, and these are these are not. These are people that, you know, have, have a need and, and a need that a church can step up and, 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 and help them with. So number one, we're really grateful for that. Uh, two, uh, yeah, I mean, we are going national and he gets us, is taking us national. And then we're also with, with Church's Care, we've got, you know, national cooperative advertising beginning here um, in March. And so we're super excited. We're going to be able to serve any church in the country. And uh, any explorer in the country, any person that's that's needing help um, or that's, you know, wanting to be developed in, as, as a leader or wanting, you know, to be able to serve their community more efficiently. That doesn't um,
1: mean an MDiv behind
0: their name. That could be no. a
1: prayer leader. That could be a small group leader. It could be a, anybody, anybody. Yeah.
0: That's the whole idea because it's the point is make it easy for one person to champion the growth of another, right? So we're just finding a person that needs some help and matching them to a person that can help them we're just using a little bit of technology to be able to do it so you know when we when we fast forward i mean it's just you know it, we've got more and more we've got you know hundreds of thousands of churches connected together we've got you know 100 you know we got we got a uh, 100 million congregants that that are you know connected into the uh, into the infrastructure we've got you know lots of people that are Needing help, and lots of people that are helping them grow. We, we're we're seeing our communities flourish in, in the area of, of spiritual growth and formation, and relationship and vocation, in in you know finance and generosity and mental health. You know, all those different dimensions are are being advanced. Churches are 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 more and more equipped to be able to serve the communities at their points of need because those churches are connected to the right equipping partners whether it's a celebrate recovery or a grief share or an alpha or all of the great programs out there in the relationship, whether it's a family life or if it's a less and less we parrot, you know, we're just enabling that whole system to work together and, and to be able to serve the needs of their community. So that's that's our dream. That's our prayer. That's why we get up early in the morning, work late at night is to be able to um, is to be able to do that. But in the end, it, you know, our heart is really for the, the leaders of these churches and these pastors, because, you know, they, they get up day after day against all odds. And, you know, it's been a tough couple of years and, and they're out there and they are just, they're just fighting the battle and anything that we can do to help them, you know, just have a little bit more oxygen, you know, Mm -hmm. to help them just, be just, just a little bit, make their job a little easier. You know, that's, that's really what it's all about. And so, you know, our, our heart is, is all about that. Um, We're grateful for the pastors. We're grateful for the people that serve the pastors and the churches. And, you know, we just want to be able to do our part um, to be able to help this, this um, great ecosystem, this great faith, big C church, be able to work a little bit better together so that they can get the benefit of um, one another and work together well.
1: Yeah, I love that. It's so easy to forget that we're not alone. And I don't just mean that from a spiritual standpoint, but you know, even within our church body or the churches around us, or all of the churches, the thousand, two thousand plus, and you know, in the Columbus area, and then all the ones you mentioned, we, we're all in this together. We're all in this faith journey together, and we all have God behind us. And I mean, this whole episode could be turned into a book, and there's so much content. And I just wanted to just touch the highlights of, and thank you, Scott, personally, for spearheading. Uh, a solution that to me is as is, is difficult as launching a space telescope in the Lagrange 2 orbit point <laughs> to study the heavens. It's just that you've done, you are doing some amazing stuff with your organization with glue that's G-L-O-O, and enabling these champions to do their stuff better. Thank you so much. Uh, and thank you for being on the show today.
0: Thanks, Adam. We appreciate your part and what you're doing in, in Columbus and and just, you know, all the partners that we work out, work with a, across the country, we're grateful for them and grateful for my wife, Teresa, who co-founded Glue uh, with me. And, um, you know, we've been married 36 years and she's just been such an awesome, awesome partner. So we have a lot of gratitude for uh, the journey that we're on. And we're just going to continue to try to be obedient and um, in the in that same direction. So thanks. I love
1: it. I love it. Thank
0: you. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Also, rating and reviewing us on iTunes
1: helps get the word out.